Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to this exciting edition of Creating the Future. And uh, so excited to be able to share with you this story today of my good friend, our family's good friend, uh, Maricel Lorenzo. And uh, Maricel came to the United States in 2002 uh, from Cuba as kind of a Cuban refugee. And I want her to be able to tell her story. But I think this is especially pertinent in this moment where we can hear from somebody who's escaping communism as we live in a world where some people are trying to, to push communism back into the United States and just, just have a conversation firsthand of why you would want to escape it and then just hear that story of, of escaping communism and what that was like for you. So I have heard this story. I think it's so interesting, so fun to hear. And in a world where people are complaining about the United States, I think it's really a good moment to look back and reflect and go, all right, there's a lot of people who would love to be here. And uh, so, so, you know, share your story, Marissa. Okay. So I had to start from the beginning. And, um, well, it was like growing up in Cuba, I, I was born into communism already, but I got to experience a little bit of um, how it was like to be not in a communist country. Like mm -hmm. there were still stores and things that you can buy. Mm -hmm. So I, I have memory of that. But then going into the whole stage of, um, it was like almost like a great depression in Cuba. Yeah. Like well, there was nothing. And there was a lot of money, but nothing to be bought. So more than just not having toilet paper. Oh, <laughs> we, I did not know what toilet paper was until I was oh, wow. like, oh my goodness, I was already 15, 16 yeah. maybe. Yeah. There was no. So empty, empty shelves. No. Yeah. yeah. And not even toothpaste or soap. But anyways, my dad, I was raised in a single mom home and my dad came to the United States in 1980 and he escaped Cuba. When um, things got bad, he fled, and right. I was only six months old. So my mom always had the idea of leaving, but she was afraid to live with a, right. a kid, and I was only six months. Mm -hmm. So she stayed behind, and she went to school, so she never left. So I grew up without my father and with an extremely workaholic mom. Yeah. Um, the way that shaped me was that always I had this idea of leaving Cuba and it was more of um, a seed that was planting me that the moment my dad left, yeah. I was like, well, this is what I need to do. Did you get to talk to your dad much after he left or no, not at all? No, there was no communication yeah. between Cuba and the United States. Did you have any other siblings or anything or was it just no, you? No, it was just me. Yeah. So my mom, mom was trying to raise you by herself. Yes. My mom really was, yes, yeah. sir. My mom was a med student, second year of med student. Yeah. Um, she got pregnant with, she mm. went on an adventure with my dad. And uh, everybody said, this baby cannot be born. You are in a hospital. You can yeah. do this and nobody will find out. Right. My mom chose not to. And um, she yeah. went. <laughs> she went to. Uh, she dropped off med school because obviously she was not able to raise somebody and um, I mean a kid, and still going to school. So she started working two jobs, mm -hmm. going to school full time. Um, I was ra raised by my aunt. That, by the way, tried to escape Cuba a bunch of times, mm -hmm. never could. Mm -hmm. She had passports in her hands, and her mom mm -hmm. said, "You're not leaving. You're wow. staying." And they actually, um, she died in Cuba. She never left the country, but I was raised by her. Wow. And she was very American. Like, this is not a good place. She will even talk. We, our backyard was like the back of the Communist Party 
place where they would do the meetings wow. and my aunts would put the radio on yeah. with all they, they used to be like um, a radio transmission mm -hmm. from the United States to Cuba mm -hmm. and she would put it on as loud as she could and started yeah. talking about wow. <laughs> against Cuba so I was raised with that so I was like this is not a place for me yeah. so um, growing up in that environment, it was always a possibility that I would leave the country one day. Mm -hmm. And I knew, like, we tried the legal way, and I was already an adult. I was mm -hmm. already 22. Yeah. I met my dad when I was 20. Okay. He came to visit. Okay, and so he came. When he left, was it for the intention of bringing the family later? And it just didn't work out. He kind of wanted to, but my mom, like I said, she was not. He was not. He was not a very responsible person at that time. Yeah, it was kind of like a hippie, <laughs> Cuban hippie style. Cuban hippie. Yeah, I know it's weird, <laughs> but he never. My mom never felt um, comfortable leaving what she knew and her family. She says that she's not very. Um, how you say it, like very um, in favor of the Communist Party, but she was involved with everything that has right. to be. She became a biology teacher. Okay. So, um, so at the age of 21, I met somebody who lives in the United States and says, he was visiting Cuba and told me, oh, I will take you out of Cuba. And I didn't believe it. I was like, uh, I don't think that's going to happen, mm -hmm. but... He was way younger than me. We were in a relationship, very toxic relationship. He came to you. You were 21. States. What is way younger than you? Oh my so God. He was he? like three years younger than me. <laughs> he was 18. I know. It's horrible. <laughs> I was not a believer. I was, yeah, I do yeah. not, I had no idea yeah. of the gospel. Like, yeah. I grew up Catholic, but my family was like the people that would go to the Catholic church when everybody was being persecuted. Yeah. Like I was extremely, I was not just the one year going, I'll go every Sunday, I did my catechism. Mm -hmm. I had no idea who mm -hmm. Jesus was. I read the Bible and it was like in gibberish. Like yeah. I couldn't understand what he was saying. Well, generally in communism, it's an atheistic culture and so they don't tolerate or they uh, try to suppress religion as much as possible. So there's not gonna be a lot of free Christians outside of what the government can control inside of the Catholic no. church and such. Even the, there was one Baptist church in my town and it was so controlled. Mm -hmm. Like I remember walking by on a Sunday and just running because I felt like they were <laughs> it's like, you run from them. So I, and I knew that was the enemy lion, but okay. Move. All right. So you are 21 years old dating a guy who's 18, who is your ticket out of Cuba, even though he's not the best thing for you. Necessarily. Yes. All right. That's correct. So um, I moved out of my house and once, once, I, once I did that, my mom thought, oh my goodness, she is serious. Like mm -hmm. I have never left my house before. I, I have gone to school and come back. Mm -hmm. So um, I came back to the house. She begged me, she went and, and got me and I came back to the house, but she knew I was leaving. Yeah. So one day I just got a phone call and the guy on the other line, on the other side of the phone, said, like, um, I'm the person who you need to talk to, and I will give you more details later. We need to meet. Mm -hmm. So uh, he was the one planning the trip out mm -hmm. of Cuba because everything is illegal, and right. you have no idea who is from the Communist Party. And there are so many people that they pretend to be, and they're not, and so many right. people that they pretend right. not to be, and they are. Mm -hmm. So we did... Um, 
that that phone call came and um we met and never seen that guy in my life he was from my town i'm from a small town in mm -hmm. cuba and i lived on the other side of the mountains to the south of cuba really close to havana i will say like 30 to 40 minutes to havana okay. and um so he said we need to prepare the trip that was the first time i saw him second time i saw him and then the third time was just when we were leaving but before that happened i was just in my house they told me do not leave your house for this whole week you yeah. cannot go anywhere right so my mom why was that why? why why do they not want you to because they don't want you to be in contact with other people and yeah. because it's a random thing you potentially say something to somebody somebody or, okay. or is since it's such a like random like mm -hmm. any day any hour okay if you're not in the house we don't have cell phones at least back then you didn't have cell phones so if i was somewhere else they couldn't communicate with me and i would miss the trip mm -hmm. so i will um so that time he said don't leave the house my mom it was it was summer vacation it was august okay. so my mom i have a younger sister from my mom and my stepdad and they have left to havana so she can do something exciting and i was like do not leave because you know it can be any minute yeah following day i get the phone call yeah. um you need to be uh this is in cuba the highway not everybody has cars like actually a handful of people in right. a neighborhood right. will have a car a lot less people with cars yes so they tell me go to this spot and wait there for um somebody to pick you up i had no idea who it was going to be mm -hmm. i have no idea um how long it would take but i knew i had to leave at that moment yeah yeah I opened the fridge and all I had was water. There was no food. Wow. And I remember I just had bought bread mm -hmm. and um, I got a backpack. I did have a new um, outfit that I was supposed to wear when I was leaving. Okay. It was brand new and brown <laughs> tennis shoes. Right. And I put water and bread in my backpack. My mom, my grandma, my mom was at home. My, my grandma was at home. And she started crying and she's like, I know what you're doing. I was like, you need to be quiet. You yeah. need, because we live in an apartment building mm -hmm. that everybody keeps their door, the windows yeah. open all yeah. day long. Yeah. So you had to be hush hush if mm -hmm. you want nobody to find out. So she stood in the balcony and watched me walk. It's almost like two miles from my house to the end that I need to turn to go to that spot. Okay. And it's almost two miles straight line. Mm -hmm. I can see her standing in the balcony until I turn. I was sobbing. Mm. And um, well, I left. So when I got to that spot, um, there were a bunch of people there waiting for cars to go across the mountains. There is like, a little places. town. Yeah. Yeah. Be like a taxi stop in the US, sort of. So kind of. A lot of, a lot of countries yeah. are like that. You yeah. go to one spot, everybody can try to pick you up. Yes. So that wasn't unusual. No. And a truck and a lot of trucks stop and they yeah. try to fight pesos right, right. and you just go whatever mm -hmm. you need to go. So it wasn't unusual for somebody to be standing there, but I was extremely close to the street because I knew that uh, I was going to be picked up by somebody. I did not know who yeah. or whom. And um, so I'm standing there and this car in Muscovy, I have no idea what you guys, <laughs> you guys have no idea what that is. It's a Russian model of cars that and it stopped and the car is packed like there is somebody driving a full-grown man yeah. then there is somebody in the passenger seat 
the guy that I spoke to yeah. two times was mm -hmm. there in the passenger seat. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, this is it. And then there was somebody, a woman with a boy on her lap and two other men sitting in the back. Mm. So I'm like, they don't have, should I keep on talking? Yeah. They don't have a space for me. So I sat in between the driver and the passenger and the driver right away pulls out the ID that says I am from the government. Mm. And he shows it to me and said, I know what you're doing, I know where you're going and um, you've been arrested and we started going back and forth for the longest almost for like 30 minutes it felt like an eternity back and forth me saying no denying it him saying yes until finally they all start laughing and they're like oh we just wanted to see if you were tough and so again <laughs> i started crying i was so, like this so is was a like crying a, trip <laughs> that was like a test to see if you were really if willing, I was really willing, willing yes. to, to take that if you were tough enough to take the voyage because yes, i was only 22 yeah, so yeah. they had to make sure that i was not kidding that i was not gonna like in the middle of a say i want my mama yeah yeah so they yeah. were like i'm a, i'm a woman and i'm, I'm only were you 22. the only woman in the group i was not but i would say i was the youngest yeah and there was another girl from my town that it was maybe a year older than me but anyways i always look younger than i was mm -hmm. so they needed to make sure that mm -hmm. i was not that i was serious right. and leaving my mom and all i knew yeah. so well we we were taken to a house we we were fed and then at nighttime we what they drove us to a place in the middle of sugar plantation all you can see was not even your hands it was like the stars and the moon and mm -hmm. i knew it was a sugar plantation because when the cars would drive by yeah. you can see that it was like in the middle of nowhere the right. road right and um i got out of the car and there were already people there talking and one of the guys approached me and he goes why do you not wait for me and i'm like who are you i couldn't tell who he was okay. and he was like just get in the car so i get in the car and I'm, I'm sitting in the middle, surrounded by guys. Yeah. And I'm like, who are these people? And finally, when another car drove by, I recognized one of them. I was like, wow, you're so-and-so. And they were like, yeah, we went to pick you up at your house. And your grandma put a big show. I'm surprised if we don't get caught. Because she told the whole building, you mm. better take care of my granddaughter. I know what you're doing. Mm. So anyways, there were two guys from my town that they were supposed to escort me there. But okay. I made it. I got so nervous that I made it to the pickup point okay. before uh, beforehand, oh, okay. and these guys picked me up. So um, we we got out of the car. We would we drove for a little longer. We got out of the car, and then there were more people at that stop. And I, now there were um, there were like four women there, two kids, and I would say five to six men. Yeah. So if you add that, I'm not good at math. But there were a lot yeah. of people. Well, there's 10 or 12 people. Yeah, 10, yeah. It's still at night. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Middle of, I would say it was almost like 12, 11, mm -hmm. 12. Mm -hmm. Hard to tell. I did not have a watch, so I didn't look at time. So when we got there, the point was to make us disoriented because um, they have two guys. Make us what? <laughs> um, like, kind of like um, make you lose sense of um, location. Okay, okay. Yes. So to get you lost, that, so you don't know yeah, where you're Yeah, get you okay. lost. So you could never tell somebody else where you went. No, right, gotcha. you couldn't. Because the, the thing was, like, in that time, they were ready people to, the, to Cuba to get people illegally. Right. 
And it's human trafficking. We would pay, almost everybody who was in the trip with me have to pay, two thousand. I mean, it was $12,000 per person when they will get to the United States. Yeah. And they will threaten you. Like, if you don't do it, we find you. And we know who you are and we know who your family is in Cuba. So when we got um, to that point, we started walking. We walk all night long. So many mosquitoes. I remember not being able to even speak because mosquitoes would go in my mouth. There were a few people that they were already veterans that they had done this a few times and they had nets and nets. I was like (laughs) bread and water. And um, so the following day we walked in the morning. We had to cross so much like mud and um, we, some people lost their shoes and we had to go back to get their shoes. The kids were getting tired. The kids were about like 10 and 12 years old. I would say about Samuel's age, Elijah's Mm -hmm. age. So we got to the mangrove. That would be, I left my house the six. That would be already the seven. Um, We spent all night there. I remember falling asleep in a branch. Like Mm -hmm. we were not able to sit on the ground because water was almost to our knees. So many mosquitoes. Uh, we all ran out of uh, water, so we were, I was getting dehydrated. Mm-hmm. The kids were crying, and you had to keep them quiet. We right, can hear right. dogs barking. Like the Cuban um, Coast Guard was constantly mm-hmm. walking up and down the beach, mm-hmm. and they will, if you resist arrest, they will actually they Shoot. point guns at you, yeah. and yeah. they some one of the girls got shot. Another of the times. Mm-hmm. You have to imagine, you have, these people have tried to leave the country, some of them even nine times, and, and they were not, they were relentless. They were like, this is it, I have to leave, I have to leave. Yeah. That's how so bad. It, it could literally cost you, cost you your life trying to flee the country. Yes, yeah. it, it, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of, we, we hear stories in Cuba, a lot of people have died. Mm-hmm. Um, the raft when and I think it was in 2000 or maybe before in the 19, no, in the 19, um, 98, 97, it was so bad in Cuba. We didn't have electricity for weeks at a time. Mm. And um, people like I, I remember my neighbors making raft mm. and they will go in the street and say, who wants to come? Mm. There was one, one um, thing that I remember at one night uh, we were sitting in the front of the house and we heard people talking and my mom told my my stepdad let's go and he was like no i would not i want to leave but not like that and she was like listen i put my, me between my legs you put jerisa which is my sister between your legs and if we die we die together mm. my mom was willing to drown in wow. the middle of the ocean without knowing where she was going wow. because of that and actually by yeah. the way they made it the oh, people okay. that left my yeah. t- my neighborhood, yeah. they made it yeah. to the United States. Awesome. So anyways, we were there for the whole following day. That night, the men started building with the inside of truck tires, you know, the, the inflatable part, yeah, the, the floats, like the tubing. Yeah. They made a raft with four tubings, and they said, tonight, they're coming tonight. So we were all nervous, waiting for the nightfall. And I think it was night already, like for three, four hours mm-hmm. when they decided, okay, now is the time. I have no idea what made them decide that, but I, they have radios mm-hmm. that they can talk and communicate. So they're keeping track of something. They yeah. do. And they have a radio. They had a 
walkie-talkie that they can talk to the people in the boat. Mm -hmm. So we kind of knew that they were out there. We couldn't see it because they cannot get too close and their lights are off. Mm -hmm. So um, they made the raft. Imagine, we were all so nervous and you have to be quiet. Mm -hmm. And, and we got on it and the men's were, all the women's were sitting on it and the men's were swimming, trying to push this mm -hmm. for God knows how long because we couldn't see the boat. Yeah. They couldn't come any close. And I remember me getting so nervous that I jumped in the water and I, I started like telling them like, keep <laughs> talking and I was like, we can do this. Let's go, we can swim. So you were helping push the boat. I was helping push the, the raft. Boat. The raft, yeah. I guess adrenaline kicked yeah. in. Yeah. And well, you're um, not gonna let them do that. I'm not. No. <laughs> it was just yeah. It it was just like like I I felt that I needed to do this. Like there was a oh one detail, one of the most important details. During the whole thing, they were calling me Lucky Charm, mm. and it was like something inside of me. Like I knew this is what I'm made for. Mm -hmm. Like I need to mm -hmm. do this and. Looking back, now I'm going to point to Jesus because I, mm -hmm. I have to, yeah. after all of this. I believe that the hand of God was over me. I was the only person in that group that have tried the first time trying to leave the mm -hmm. country, and I did it. Mm -hmm. Everybody else have tried several times, at mm -hmm. least two times. So they were like, oh, we made it this far because... The way they do is by steps. So if you make it so far, it's like you're getting closer. Yeah, yeah. So they were saying like, um, oh, we made it this far. Oh, good for you. You're a lucky charm. Yeah. So I was like, oh, like <laughs> I did not know who to accredit that. Back right. then, I did not know the Lord. Yeah. So we made it to the boat. Of course, after all that rush of adrenaline, I just, I almost drowned mm -hmm. because I was just like, it hit me like yeah. I'm doing this. Yeah. So um, they kind of, they actually had to pull me up and get me in the boat. So you get off the raft or there on the raft get onto the and actual get into boat. the actual okay. boat, which it was only a 17 feet long boat hmm. with yeah. two Yamaha um, motors okay. overboard. Two Yamaha like, motors. Yes. So I've never seen one, but to me it looked big. Now looking back, it was like. That was scary. I would not do that again, ever. So it's a little boat with a lot of motor. Yes. And, and, and we were, plus the other two guys, it was like, I would say almost like 17, 18 people. I yeah. think total with so kids and mom. Yeah. So um, they put all the women in the back, you know, in the little seat. There was mm -hmm. no seat in the front. So the men had to lay down on the, front, on the floor mm -hmm. in the front. And they had like the little house that you have in the middle, like with the, yeah, the console where you steer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was right in the middle. Mm -hmm. And they offer us something to drink. And I remember, I do not like soda. And the only thing those people brought was soda. <laughs> so I was like, I want water. Like, they were like, we don't have water. So I remember me drinking soda and feeling even more thirsty. Right. So we started driving in the middle of the night. And it was they couldn't turn the lights on. They were going extremely fast, like extremely fast to a point that there were some times that I, I felt that we were going to tip over. Mm -hmm. And they, when they left, like the Gulf of Mexico is very dark and very mm -hmm. rough. Right. There's only moonlight. And yes. Yeah. I've been into cruises and now looking back, I'm like, 
even in a big <laughs> boat so you feel like yeah. oh my goodness this is scary imagine that little thing and the way they were rushing and like just driving it was very fast scary mm -hmm. I remember the men screaming because they would fly out so high that they would bump. <laughs> and we were sitting in the back, so we didn't feel that much. Right. And um, I, I'm always like, my, my mama instinct kicked in. So one of the, the boys, I just grabbed him and put him between my legs and put yeah. my, my legs over him. Right. Just right. in case, I was like, just in case he flies off, he doesn't fall. Yeah. And they told us, like, if you fly off, we're not turning around for you. We're wow. not, we, wow. we, we are going, we're on a mission. We are not were getting caught. You think they were? Do you think they were just trying to scare you, or do you, you no, think they would really? I think they mean it because actually, in that trip with us, there was a guy who went to Cuba to pick up his family, mm -hmm. and he was caught. And what he did, he he stayed in Cuba, and he was hiding for I would say six months, and then he came in that in that in the boat the with trip. us yeah. in the same trip. So they knew if they were caught, this guy was going to be turned to Cuba with a lot of years and anybody involved was going to get in a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. So, um, so, so you're going across the Gulf from yes. Cuba to, did you go to Key West? Where were you going? We were actually to be drop off of Key, Key Marquis okay, and in Spanish would be Key Marquesa, okay. which is a tiny little key. Yeah. And they told us, they were like, the Coast Guard will see you and they will pick you up. We cannot leave you close to where people are because mm -hmm. we will we'll get caught and go to jail. Mm -hmm. So um, I remember one of the memories, like one time I woke up and I was like, what is that noise? Like I can see a cruise line, a cruise and the music yeah. playing yeah. and the lights. We were all like, what is that? <laughs> is that a city on the ocean? It, it is a city on the ocean, yeah. <laughs> we were, I remember that's one of the memories that I was like, oh my. Goodness. Was that was your first time seeing a cruise ship? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. All I say, I don't. I don't think I ever saw maybe little boats in Cuba and yeah, Havana, yeah. but nothing that nothing that like magnitude. That, yeah. Oh no. Uh -uh. So how how long was the ride to Key? Because of the time that we were picked up, it was around ten, and um, oh, I remember before dawn, like you can see a little bit of light. Mm -hmm. They told us you all need to lay down, and they cover us with a with a plastic tarp. That's how you say it, like the tarp, plastic, yeah. yeah, tarp. And um, they told us we are having issue with the motors. We won't be able to drop you off where we um, are supposed to. So we're just finding for any land so you can swim to it. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember extremely, I was extremely dehydrated. I keep going on and off from conscience, and it was just rough to um to be laying there and i won't go into details but when you dehydrate it you vomit yeah, yeah. <laughs> and things happen and, and you get we more dehydrated all, yes yeah. and you get more dehydrated um so when we were there um the sun came up and they told us get up and swim and we can see land and it wasn't far. And the water in Key West is so clear oh, yeah. that I was not afraid yeah. to jump in. I would say, and, and you couldn't reach the bottom right away, but as soon as we started swimming, we can reach the bottom. It was very shallow. Yeah. So we got to the little key and we spent all day in the scorching sun, <laughs> no water, um, no hope, because yeah. the boats will not get close to that key because the sand, 
it was too shallow. Yeah. So they will go around it. Mm. So I remember me, I lost conscience. To, to me, it sounded like I fell asleep, like I was falling asleep. I was like, I'm just tired. I'm just going to fall asleep. But I, now I know that I was just extremely dehydrated. Mm -hmm. And when passed I, out. yeah, I passed out mm -hmm. in the sand. Like I had no idea. <laughs> and when I woke up, they said, oh, the men's found a rope and they tied each other and they swam to the other key and the Coast Guard is coming. That's all I remember. Mm. So Coast Guard got there and I would say it was around 8 p.m., 9 p.m. So when they got there, they, um, they told us, swim to us. And we started debating because if you were caught in the water, you consider what feet and they yeah. return you to Cuba. But if you caught in land, that was the law of dry foot dry um dry right. food right. wet you, food you were explaining that before so if they catch yes. you in water then they send you home but if they yes. get you on land you can stay you can stay basically so yeah. i fill up my backpack with sand i put it <laughs> over my head and now so you were say, taking sand with you no matter with what me because i said yeah. I, I i was in my mind i was like i'm dying yeah these people want to help us i have proof they were laughing like the yeah. coast Guard. Yeah, they, they were like funny. They were laughing at me and I was like, I don't care how hard you laugh, I will not go back to Cuba. <laughs> I struggled to leave, wow. I left everything I know behind, I'm not going back. Mm. So after I did that, yeah. everybody else followed me and again, they were like, lucky charm, oh, because of you. So <laughs> I know, and now looking back, I'm like, Lord, like your love and your mercy. Yeah, yeah. It's like you you know the future, so mm -hmm. it was like you pre you paved the way for a sinner like me to come to this country to encounter the gospel, and now that I couldn't done that in Cuba, it was yeah. just like his mercy. He it was kind of like he, the Lord knew that I needed that mm -hmm. step to be away yeah. from yeah. all wrongdoing, from everybody I knew, from comfortable to to bring me to this new land for salvation. Yeah. yeah. So after that, we so, were... So the Coast Guard picks you up. Yes, and they take you to Key West, okay. <laughs> where they make you sleep on the ground, mm -hmm. and they don't give you anything. Well, not even point, a blanket. At this point, you didn't care. You slept anywhere. Oh, I was so sorry. <laughs> they give me water. Yeah. That was... They give me water. That's one of the things I knew how to say in English. And I remember that from didn't, school. Didn't you say they gave you the crackers too, the orange crackers? Oh, that was later. Okay. Then they, they put us, after Coast Guard, after Key West, they put you in like um, a prisoner um, bus and they, they drive you to the main place where they're going to do all your fingerprints mm -hmm. and give you, because when you come from Cuba, you have privileges that other people don't. So they give you a paper that says you're legal to be in the United States. Mm -hmm. But... It takes all day for yeah. them to do that. Right. All day. And we were hungry. We were, I remember grabbing my, my pants, had a slipper and mm -hmm. a button, and I can go open it and go around. Wow. So I will have to do that constantly yeah. and fold it because I lost like so much weight. Yeah, well, you're dehydrated <laughs> and, and not eating and everything and all together. Eating. And it has been already um, a while, like, I, I think I left, I, I, I still debate that I leave Cuba earlier because all of that took almost like, it was like almost four days that mm -hmm. I actually, it was the 8th, it was yeah. August 8th when my papers officially, I arrived in Cuba. And after mm -hmm. that, it, 
I would say two days in Cuba, then the whole thing in the middle of the night, and then two days doing paperwork. And then they take you to Crom, and they treat you like you're a prisoner. Like mm -hmm. they, they put you in, a, in the showers where you need to shower or whatever, mm -hmm. whatever. They give you clothes like you're a prisoner. And they give me food. Oh my goodness, <laughs> I was so excited. I have had apple one time in my life. That was the second time when I was in jail. So <laughs> I got an and apple and they have a cheese sandwich. Yeah. And I was like, what? oh, they give me the crackers. You mentioned the crackers. Uh, when we were doing the papers to make you legal, mm -hmm. we were so hungry. So in my broken English, I told them, like, we're dying. We need food. And they brought us the orange peanut butter crackers. <laughs> We were extremely hungry. We could not eat it. Yeah, it was like, yeah. this tastes like medicine. I think they're giving <laughs> us poison. Even the ladies say, don't eat it. I think they're trying to poison us. I'm like, don't be silly. Just eat the cracker. You're hungry. So they give us like vending machine food. Right. That's and probably what they had. Right yeah, there. that's yeah. what they had. So, um, but in Chrome uh, and at the jail, they did give us a um, ham and cheese sandwich and an apple and a drink. And then from there, they take you to another place to do all your vaccinations because they need to make sure you're healthy and mm -hmm. you're not bringing any disease from Cuba. And, um, and then your family, they release you and your family is supposed to be there to pick you up. Mm -hmm. So that's it. That was my story. <laughs> <laughs> so just the real quick version, but from there, did you have family pick you up? How did you end up? No, they, so they had crazy to get boyfriend was there oh, the crazy with boyfriend. his family. Yes. Okay. So you did have at least somebody to pick yes. you up. Yes. Because you didn't speak hardly any English at this time, right? No. Very it's English. Miami. I mean, okay, yeah, it's Miami. And plus, English is the second language in Miami. Oh my goodness. <laughs> if you guys have ever been to Miami and you want to be feel like you're in Cuba, you should go. Yeah. <laughs> because it feels like you're in Cuba. It's Cuba with sense. I always say that. It's like the same, um, a lot of the same mentality and the same food, yeah, yeah. same climate. Yeah. Just you have sense. It's the culture there. Yeah. All right. So what's the, in wrapping up, you know, so you were willing to risk your life to leave Cuba and literally sounds like you could have died and, you know, and you felt like you were going to die, so to speak. Um, why is that? What, what's the big differences between the United States of America and Cuba? Oh, I'm the, sorry. The short, the short I think, version of that. Okay. With me, there is no short then, but I will say since you have notion of a memory, all you hear is brainwash. Mm -hmm. And the school is all controlled by the government. Um, the food is horrible. Like I cannot explain how bad it is to be able to eat in Cuba. Mm -hmm. It is extremely, for younger generations, is only the only hopes you have is prostitution. And mm. it is sad because yeah. in Cuba you can be, you you have so many doctors, engineers, you have people are educated, mm -hmm. but they don't work in what they went to school for because yeah. you don't make money to even eat. Right. So all you do is you depend on what dollars you can get from family here or prostitute yourself. Mm. It is extremely sad mm -hmm. no not a lot of people talk about this but i would say that the younger generation i i used to go to school for nursing to school for nursing and i will tell you that and 40 to 45 percent of the girls and boys 
will prostitute themselves at mm. nighttime. Wow. So you have students going to school, and sometimes they don't even have need to so, eat. So three to four out of ten. Yes, almost, wow. yes. And you, you do have people that they are more, that they have a better home yeah. or, but when you're away, it's like going to college in the United States and so you go like experience things. Mm -hmm. Well, there, it was like, that was the thing. Let's go out and see if we can find an American. Actually, they were not Americans. It was more Europeans, Mexicans who can buy us something to eat or who can take us to the places we cannot go. Wow. Because if you're not with them, somebody with the tourists, you cannot enter mm -hmm. certain restaurants or places. So it is, when I hear people wanting communism, I have a friend who's married somebody from, um, oh my goodness, it's not Germany, it's the other country next to it. Out No, mm -mm. and now I forgot and I know Poland. what, no, he's not Polish. One of the other countries. Yes, <laughs> one of the other countries. He, he experienced communism and he said that he is so upset because of it. Mm -hmm. People wanting something so horrible. Abortion in Cuba is encouraged, it's legal. Like I, be, me being a nurse, and a nurse student, doctors have to perform it wanted or not. Mm -hmm. And that is horrible. They have so many because you're going to bring a baby into yeah. that. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. it is very sad. Yeah. Well, I thank you so much for telling your story. And especially now that we're right here at the 18th anniversary. And I know Jose has his story too, which is pretty oh, powerful. Yes. <laughs> and, and you guys could share lots of other stories. And I, I've sat with Jose and heard his story of his family lineage in Cuba and what they fought and faced mm -hmm. as Cuba became communist with his family lineage and, yes. and things stolen from them and land and people killed for it. And, yes. and, uh, and I think this is an important conversation for people to hear uh, as we face an America that has a percentage, it's not a huge percentage, but a percentage who are fighting for socialism and communism and Marxism, which all that kind of fits together and uh, the Antifa people and, and all of that, that while America is far from perfect, we are a great country in the scope of things in the world. And especially with countries that are literally next door to us, you oh, know, yes. where you can escape. <laughs> so what a powerful story. Thank you so much uh, for sharing this story. All you guys who are creating the future fans, thank you guys for watching this or listening to this. I hope it's been a blessing to you and I hope it inspires you to create the future and let's let freedom ring around the United States. And I want to encourage other people to tell the story because I, I think my story was irrelevant and to, it meant something to Pastor Brent. Yeah. And I know we, we all have a story to tell. So just don't be afraid and, and tell your story because yeah. you don't know who's listening. Mm, that's good. That's good.